Well, 2,000 Mules is a fantastic documentary about all the weird stuff that happened in the November 2020 election that gave us Joe Biden. Yeah, right. Uh, it was made by the world-class brainiac Dinesh D'Souza, uh, very influential conservative. Did you know he worked actually for Ronald Reagan? He was in the Reagan White House. And anyway, he's written so much and produced so much, and we're so glad that he's with us right now on the phone. Dinesh D'Souza, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Dinesh D'Souza, 2,000 Mules. Uh, first of all, um, do you think overall, big picture, do you think the election was stolen? Yes. I. This is, a, this is something I've come to sort of reluctantly kicking and screaming. It's not something I said right after the election. I had my suspicions, and I, of course, had observed the various anomalies. But, I, you know, I zipped my mouth. I was quiet about it because I felt, look, I can't prove my suspicions. Maybe we'll never know what happened. And it wasn't until I came across kind of a new way of looking at the election, almost like going to a cold case and figuring out a way to get a kind of DNA of what happened that I realized that this this question can be answered pretty definitively. You know what? It can be answered, and it can also be asked. <laughs> and this is what gets me almost as mad as the election, this reluctance, this fear, and it's been instilled by the left that we can't even talk about it. We're talking about it at our own risk. And I am so surprised and, quite frankly, dismayed and and angry that they've been successful in muting so much of this conversation. Well, this is a topic that is censored more than any other in America, as you know. They, they do censor other topics on places like Facebook and YouTube. They'll censor COVID. They'll censor climate change. But no topic is censored more thoroughly and aggressively than the issue of election fraud. And, and in a sense, what they from the beginning tried to do is sustain a dogmatic premise that cannot withstand the slightest scrutiny. In fact, long before the movie, forget about 2,000 mules, they say it's the most secure election ever. And so the question then arises, how do you know this? Have you actually done a comparison of this election, 2020, with all previous elections? And have you demonstrated that the volume of fraud was less this time than any previous time? Who's even attempted this? So here they, they take this mantra and they put it out there unsupported with not a shred of proof. And then they, they call everybody who questions it of a purveyor of the big lie and try to ostracize them, get them fired, shut them down, deplatform them and so on. And that's uh, that's not America. That shouldn't be America. That's certainly not American. Look, I saw the movie. I was blown away by it. So is my wife. Uh, she really was fired up by it. But look, you made it. Do us a favor. What is a mule? Tell us what a mule is and how they worked. So the term a mule is lifted from, you know, drug trafficking or sex trafficking. The mule is the delivery man. And in this case, we're talking about ballot trafficking. So a mule is a paid operative who is hired, in this case, by a kind of a left-wing organization to deliver fraudulent and illegal ballots to mail-in drop boxes. And in our research, we found more than 2,000 of these mules, and that's where the movie was titled 2,000 Mules. Well... And, and the footage that you uncover is so gripping and so interesting. But I think somebody in your film acknowledges that in a weird way, this may have been the perfect crime, because once they're in that box and we see these uh, ballots get dropped in the box in the most sus suspicious manner and multiple ballots being dropped, 
you can't you can't track them down after that, right? I mean, it's almost impossible to uh, to take it to the next step. Well, I mean, it is impossible to do it that way. It's almost like saying there's a perfect crime. We can never find the body. It's been permanently disposed of. But it doesn't mean you can't solve the crime. It just means you have to solve it a different way. And so, for example, you need to get some of the lower-level perpetrators and say, who paid, who paid you? Who put you up to it? So if you start with the mules and the mules begin to, well, I don't know if sing is the right word because mules don't really sing, but they start giving the scoop because they don't want to be prosecuted themselves. I mean, remember, this illegal ballot operation is thousands upon thousands of felonies that are being committed. And so if you can get the low-level guys to rat out the high-level guys, it's very easy to bust the operation that way. So that's one thing. We talked to some of them. Were you surprised? It was hard to find those folks, right? I mean, we talked to a couple of people. What was the biggest surprise? Once you once you basically convinced yourself it was stolen and you convinced the viewers, what were you surprised about what was what was elusive what did you want but that you couldn't land or did you get everything you were looking for well no i mean let's remember in a movie you have you know you have the powers of sort of journalistic investigation but you don't have the kind of power that law enforcement has and so when you geotrack somebody's phone if somebody were to geotrack my phone they would have the cell phone id of my phone but a they wouldn't know it's my phone and second of all, they wouldn't know, let's say I gave it to my wife and she was the one who went to the Dropbox. That the phone is at the Dropbox is, can be known for sure. But law enforcement has to kind of take the next step and what they call unmask the mules. The other thing is you've got all these left-wing organizations deeply embedded in the inner city. We call them in the movie the vote stash houses because that's where the mules get the ballots. The mules don't come up with their own fraudulent ballots. They make these kind of stops. And they pick up, you know, backpacks and satchels full of ballots. And then you can see them in the movie. You know, they drive up to the drop box. They furtively look around. They've got gloves on to avoid dropping fingerprints on the ballots. And you can see them stuffing the boxes. So I would have loved to keep pursuing it, you know, working its way back. But obviously, I, I don't have the power to, like, raid these vote stash houses and take their computers and so on. That's, again, something that law enforcement has to do. So 2,000 mules. Uh... I saw it, I think, on opening night. I, you know, I kind of scrambled a little bit. I really wanted to see it. And I think I saw it as it was being streamed live. People can go to 2000mules.com. There are multiple ways to view this movie. What should people do who want to see it who haven't seen it yet? You know, it's still, Greg, in about uh, 300 theaters. Uh, this may be its last week of, of doing that. So if you want to see it in the theater, you should do it right away. And, um, and the details are on the website, 2000mules.com. Basically, you plug in your zip code, it'll tell you where it's playing near you. But the movie's also available for digital download, for streaming, for DVDs. Uh, and so I've put the movie on uncancelable platforms. Unlike my earlier movies, you're not going to find this on, like, Apple iTunes or Amazon Prime, uh, because I don't want to put it anywhere where the left can take it down. You know, I'm looking at a picture of you with Ronald Reagan in the White House sometime in the 1980s. You were a policy analyst there, I believe. Dinesh, can you please just tell us a little bit about um, where you were born, your childhood, and how you came to work in the White House? Well, it's it really is a story of the American dream. I mean, I grew up in Bombay, India. My family is middle class. My dad was an engineer. I came to America on a rotary a youth exchange scholarship to go uh, to high school for the 12th grade. I lived in Arizona. A high school counselor took me under his wing and shepherded me through the college application process. 
I went to Dartmouth, where I kind of caught the Reagan bug. Uh, and then after I graduated, I came to Washington, D.C., and I was a young policy analyst in my early 20s um, in the Reagan years. It was just a wonderful experience. And it's interesting looking back the way the world has changed and so many things that we took for granted in those years the trust that we had in institutions. I mean, the simple idea, you know, for, for decades, I've walked into a voting booth, I've pulled the curtain, I've cast a ballot. I never dreamed that those ballots would somehow be in some ways fiddled with or someone wouldn't add up the numbers accurately. And so I had a tremendous de- degree of trust in our basic institutions. And it's been rather dismaying to see how that trust has eroded in recent years. Yeah, you know, the American dream, and at times, though, Your life, I mean, I feel like, look, I don't know all the, I feel like you were persecuted, quite frankly, persecuted for your views, possibly for somebody like you having views, uh, somebody like you being so, um, anti-Obama. I, my sense is that you paid a real price for your views and you may have been treated unfairly by that system. You care to share? Well, I, I think that's true, but I think looking back on it, what really surprised me is when, when my own case came up, I thought, well, you know what, I just, I kind of, you know, ticked off the most powerful guy in the world, and so the empire strikes back, you know, that's to be expected. But little did I know that my case was a little, kind of a small window, a preview of what was going to happen to Papadopoulos and Carter Page and Michael Flynn and then Donald Trump. So it was the very opening salvo in a kind of mobilization of the powers of the state to go after political opponents. And that's another thing that would, you know, I wouldn't have dreamed of in the 1980s or 90s. I mean, I can't see Jimmy Carter or Reagan or Bush, you know, trying to somehow mobilize the FBI to put your opponents into jail. That that would be unthinkable to them. All right. So just to fill in the blanks real quick, I mean, you didn't do anything wrong. I think you were accused of giving a little bit too much extra money to a friend of yours who was running for public office, Wendy Long. They made a literal federal case out of it. You were ultimately pardoned by Donald Trump. Do you was that experience you just mentioned? It was a, a window into what would happen. Are you at the place where you can say, you know what, I'm glad all that happened. The learning experience was worth it. Or are we never going to get to that point? And I can understand oh, either no, case. No. I, I have long got to that point and beyond it. I mean, I'm actually, it would be an exaggeration to say I'm thrilled it happened to me. That's probably too much. It was traumatic at the time. And I was locked up for eight months overnight in a confinement center outside of San Diego. So I had the company as a very interesting assortment of thugs. Um, so I wouldn't want that to happen again. But when I look back and I look at the way in which that opened my eyes to, well, something of the gangsterization of American politics, it also made me little, a little bit less of a pointy-headed intellectual and a little bit more of somebody who realized that this is really a fight. It's not a debating society with two opposing debate teams. We're kind of in a fight for the country and a fight for the American dream. And so that political radicalization I'm very grateful for. Excellent, excellent. So, look, uh, <laughs> if you want to antagonize the left, they don't want you to see this movie, 2,000 Mules. You can, as Dinesh said, put in 2,000 Mules in your zip code. It'll pop right up. There's still in 300 theaters, but you can go to 2000mules.com and uh, and get a DVD or, or stream it. There are lots of ways to see it. Um, what's your next project? 
Well, I'm actually writing a book um, to um, of the same title to come out in the early fall. Usually I, I publish a book and a movie at the same time, but in this case the movie outran the book. I wanted to get the movie out really quick. So I'm adding documentation and answers to critics and so on in the book, which will be a kind of fuller exposition of the same idea, but this time supported with a lot of evidence that could not be included in the movie. And by the way, this is just one component of it. I mean, you know, you don't, the the movie, you looked at the mules, and appropriately so, but there are other components to this election, like the unconstitutionality of the uh, votes in Pennsylvania, some of the other issues. There are multiple, multiple issues, and this is a big one. But, um, yeah, as they try to poke holes in your film, which they have not succeeded, there are a lot of other issues that are being pursued. What do you think the most the one with the greatest um, efficacy is? What What is the most powerful argument, apart from the beautiful one you laid out, uh, that raises doubts about the 2020 election? Well, I think the you have to look at the mules as part of a much bigger operation where the left does a lot to enable this kind of a heist. So they've got people, for example, they've got one whole legal team that fights, for example, to not clean up the voter rolls. Then they, then they have a whole other legal team that fights to prevent signature matching. In other words, don't carefully match the signatures uh, on the ballot. It's kind of like telling a teller not to watch too carefully to see if the checks match. Um, and then you have a whole other team that fights to, you know, Zuckerberg. He fights to, he said, I'll pay for the drop boxes and I have all this money to give you. But if you don't install the drop boxes, you're not going to get any money. Uh, and and if, you say, if you take my money and you don't put the drop boxes, you're going to have to give my money back. So I'm just amazed at the way in which the left, uh, through its foundations, its donors, its legal teams, they go to great lengths to sort of set up the heist. And then, of course, the mules are the actual on-the-ground operation, but they are the only, the only the final sort of stage of something that is far more elaborately orchestrated, because none of this can occur just spontaneously. If, if Zuckerberg didn't pay for the drop boxes, the mules would have no place to go to. Well, in my book, Dinesh D'Souza, you are a hero, because there are other things you could have done that, and, 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 and choices and places you could have gone and jobs you could have held. That would have been easier, possibly more lucrative. I don't know, but you 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 opted for the hard way, and I think the uh, we've all benefited enormously. Hey, can you tell me about this real quick? What was Ronald Reagan like? I got this. I just tweeted this picture of you guys together. Did you get to know him at all? What was he like? I got to. Um, I didn't get to interact with him, <clears throat> but I got to observe him. So I was like the you know the fly on the wall, so to speak. And what I found fascinating about him is that sometimes. On trivial issues, he didn't really pay attention. At one point, I noticed his aides were like animatedly arguing with each other. And Reagan listened for a little while. And then he tuned him out and he just reached over for this giant jar of jelly beans <laughs> that he kind of swerves over to him and he starts eating them. You know? And so I think what that represented for me was not that Reagan was negligent or anything, but rather that he kind of kept his eye on the big picture and he didn't let himself get drawn into little side alleys. And I think that gave him a sort of great sense of these are the four ways in which I can change the world. I'm not going to try to change the world in 52 ways. I'll change it in two or three important ways. Wow. Well, we were lucky to have Ronald Reagan, and of course we're lucky to have you, Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, Check out 2000 Mules. Go to 2000mules.com. It is an important movie, and by the way, it's entertaining. It's visually very interesting, and uh, it's so important. So Dinesh D'Souza, thank you so much, sir. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you. You Bye-bye. You bet. Take care now.
How about that, Dinesh D'Souza? I liked him a lot. Good guy. Uh, I think that's the first. No, I interviewed him once on Newsmax, and uh, so glad he was with us on the radio. Oh, I went a little bit long. I'll be right back. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 